Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I kind of feel like uh, I've been placed in a position where there's always someone attacking me new each day. Um... But I guess I was built for it because it doesn't bother me like it should, perhaps. I know the truth of my heart and I know that what I say is the truth and I understand very well the internet and how it works and I also think I'm perspicacious enough to understand there's certainly a degree of weaponized virtue and perhaps a degree of jealousy and perhaps a few other things that are involved in all of these attacks. I don't believe that people who sit and attack somebody for their past, especially something from so long ago, are genuinely virtuous. I don't think it's about virtue. I think it's about, well, I can get some clicks this way, or I can get some views that way, or he did the biggest interview ever, or whatever it is. There's certainly some other motivations. And uh, I don't want to say water off the duck's back. I don't want to come across as arrogant. However, I do believe that since the dawn of human time, every single king with any kind of empire was constantly at war. And I think if you're going to become one of the most famous people on the internet, you're going to be at war. And you'd be a fool to become massively influential and then cry about the fact that you end up in constant battles. It doesn't matter if you're Napoleon or Charlemagne or Genghis Khan. There's always someone prodding the edges of your empire, trying to find weakness, see what a little bit of land they can take. And I think it's always been the same. And right now, I guess you could say, I, to a degree, I certainly have an empire and I'm massively influential. And there's a degree of... Uh, jealousy, but there's certainly some ambitious people who are trying to damage it. I think that's what it is. You now have no value to add to the world. It would be massively unfair, right? Everybody changes, and that's fine. I'm not the kind of person who's going to sit and apologize for his past. I believe all's well that ends well. I believe we're humans, and we grow and we learn. I'd be a fool, and I'd be disingenuous to sit here and pretend I was sorry for something I did in the past, and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be very honest to everyone at home. I've talked at length for a very long time about my history and the fact I used to run a webcam business, and I don't feel guilty for that. I know that's maybe what they want from me. I don't feel sorry for that. I've never hurt anybody. It has nothing to do with my current criminal case. Everybody who worked for me was very positive. In fact, my number one supporters currently online and my best lifelong friends and some of the letters I got in jail were from people who worked for me at that time and I had a business. And I'm not going to sit here and try and pretend that I feel guilty or I feel sorry for that. I'm from a low-income background. I did what I had to do to survive. And truthfully, all in all, being very honest, I don't think what I did was really that bad. 
And I want to say that, and I know people are going to lose their minds for it, but I didn't sell drugs. I didn't kill anybody. I mean, what did I do? I, I found a gap in the market and I helped some people organize some accounts on an internet website. That's what I did. And they're going to try and criticize me and crucify me for the next 100 years because of it, because of clips that were made 10 years ago. I think it's disingenuous and I don't think anyone actually really cares about the virtue of it because nobody who's involved in my life back then is complaining about anything. I think it's just an attack on me. And certainly we learn and we grow and we change. But it's very interesting how hypocritical the idea of looking at somebody's life over such a long period actually is. I mean, we can look at Donald Trump, right? Who I'm a fan of, I guess you're, I know you've had your ups and downs with him. But in the conservative sphere, he's pretty well respected. Donald Trump used to own the Miss Universe pageant. Are we going to criti criticize him? Are we going to crucify him? What about the girls he had in Miss Universe who decided to go on and do Playboy magazine? Is he a bad person now? Why? But that's not Christian values, right? People are messy, and life is messy, and nothing is completely clean. And this idea that you're going to find somebody, and 10 or 11 years ago, they did something which might even be slightly distasteful, not even illegal, and you're going to crucify him forever, I just don't believe that's genuine virtue. I think it's just an attack. I'm a reasonable person. I'm intelligent. I use my brain. And I guess that makes me aligned with many conservative issues overall because the other side have lost their minds. I don't wake up and stand there as a conservative figure. I don't consider myself a conservative figure. I just ended up aligning with them on a lot of core issues because I'm a forward-thinking, rational person. But I'm certainly not a conservative. I don't stand up and say, hey, I'm a conservative. I don't I'm not interested in whether the conservative want to embrace me from that perspective or not. I have no interest in that. I wasn't even particularly political until my recent debacle where I realized a lot of things about the world and how avoiding politics will not save you, unfortunately. I'm not sorry. I don't operate in that frame. I don't think it's an intelligent way for a man to go through life to say, I'm sorry. At, at a younger age, I did the best I could possibly do, and I did the best I believed at the time. And you grow from it and you learn, and perhaps there's times in your life where you look back and think, well, maybe I would, would have done this differently because hindsight's always 20-20. But every rapper sold drugs. Like, you get to a certain stage in your career where you no longer sell drugs and you don't do it anymore, but that's part of the life journey and life's messy. And I'm not going to sit here and apologize to any conservative who wants to sit me down and try and give me some moral high ground garbage. I'm not going to listen to it. I had a very rough upbringing, a very tough life, and it could have been so much worse in so many ways. I've done nothing illegal. I've never hurt anybody. Everybody who was involved in my life back then are massive supporters of me. And I think it's very hypocritical for someone to sit, look at a situation they were not involved in and don't understand, look at old clips taken out of context, and then tell me and a whole bunch of people who were in my life who were all perfectly happy that something bad happened or something wrong happened. I don't think that's genuine. And for that reason, I'm not going to sit and uh, be preached to by these people who are imperfect themselves. Everybody's imperfect. And another thing that's really important, we talk about Christian values, I also think that, I find it very interesting and ironic that I'm somehow the problem and that these Christians feel like they need to come and attack me now in, in the name of Christian values. I think Christianity has much bigger problems than Andrew Tate and some old clips. I think they have much bigger problems that are happening in their churches on a daily. I think you can go to a Christian church in a lot of America and be very disappointed in what you see. I don't think I'm the problem with Christianity. And yeah, it's very interesting, but there was a webcam company and I've talked about it at length on many different podcasts. I had a business. Many girls on there were perfectly fully clothed and would paint pictures or sing and dance and laugh. I've talked about this at length. I've had nothing to do with it for 10 or 11 years and nobody was ever hurt. And I am not sorry for it. I don't see why I should be.
The reason I have such huge affinity with the youth of the world today, especially the masculine youth, is one, because a lot of them are disenfranchised, which is one conversation, but two, also, the reason my reach is so global, the reason I have so many fans in Slovenia and Southside Chicago, and I've, been, I've had kids from Ulaanbaatar come up to me, Mongolia, all around the world, is because I speak to the disenfranchised, and part of that is always going to be, or is going to involve, financially disenfranchised. I'm, I'm someone who comes from absolutely nothing and made himself into something. And unfortunately, it's a rocky road sometimes, like you just described with Jay-Z, to get that done. But if I would have been born into a perfect family, like you said, two loving parents, family was rich, white picket fence, and I was saying all the same things, then they wouldn't have the same affinity. So if you look at even a lot of superheroes, you look at Batman, he's a flawed person. And I think the reason I'm seen as a hero and the reason I have the fan base I have is because to a degree I've always been a flawed person and I'm not a perfect human and I don't want to be. And I think that that actually adds a lot of credibility to my character as a whole, that I've become the kind of person who believes he can add value to the world. And just like you said with Jay-Z, he changed. And the biggest thing for me personally, though, truthfully, and I want the whole world to understand this, I've been forensically analyzed by multiple different federal agencies from different countries for the last 17 months, analyzing every aspect of my entire life across the last 10 to 15 years. And what did they find? An old YouTube clip? That's the worst they could find. No sexual perversion, no drugs, no genuine criminal acts. They found something semi-immoral in a YouTube clip. And I would actually challenge anybody who wants to throw stones at me to go through the same level of scrutiny I have been under. And let's see what they find in your life. Because I guarantee anyone who's watching this right now, you sit there, you have a secret in your closet. You have a skeleton that you don't want anyone to know about, and they would have found it. So what's the worst thing they found about me, considering I've been the most attacked man in the world for 17 months? An out, an out of date YouTube clip? An out of context YouTube clip? Is that the worst? I think, it's, I think it's crazy that people aren't even sitting there and going, okay, this guy's been absolutely attacked from every single angle, and this is the worst they could possibly drag up. Power and responsibility go hand in hand. And I do believe that I now have a huge platform, and with young boys, they're ex exceptionally interested in my case. I do believe to a degree I'm an anti-hero. I do believe to a degree that the harder I'm attacked, the more credibility is given to me in the eyes of my fans. I think that they see, ah, everyone's out to get this guy. Everyone was out to get Batman. This is kind of feels that way. And I do try and lead everyone down a good path and say extremely positive things. They want to make sure that the male populace is as docile as possible, and they do that with a, a large array of weapons, and they do that with a web of tools, and I believe that I'm the counter to that, which is the reason I ended up attacked in the first place. But unfortunately, when you buy into the slave man mind programming, you do not become the kind of man who can easily attract a, a woman, because you're not attractive to females as a whole. So how do you satisfy yourself? You end up sitting there staring at a screen, and they convince you that's a good life to live as a man, and that's perfectly fine and perfectly normal, and you don't even get to genetically reproduce. I do also, though, and I want to make this clear, I do believe in absolute and utter self-accountability as a man. I think as a man, everything that happens to you is your fault. Me going to jail was my fault. Me being attacked online was my fault. If all these bad things that happened to me, I will take responsibility for, even if I believe they were unfair or unjust. And I think that any man who's going to sit there and say, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, he also needs to wake up and understand that if you're going to truly struggle to not click on a website, then you're going to deserve the terrible life you're going to live. And the devil or the matrix or whatever you want to call them are going to fill your life with temptations. They're going to fill your life with easy way outs that they're going to want you to take because the good road is usually the hardest road. And if you're going to continue to fall for them, then you're going to have to suffer the consequences of that. So it's, it's, it's double-edged. It's certainly difficult that 
pornography is everywhere and men are struggling with it. But to me, what's even more upsetting is that these men don't have enough fortitude and enough mental strength to wake up and say, I'm better than that. But, but, but this, is, this is the thing, right? So I'm about to get started, Candace. This is the thing. But this is the thing, right? So when you attack a man's mental fortitude on one issue, you attack on all issues. This is why it's done purposefully. To resist a slave mind, you need to be able to resist in the first place. How can you resist a slave mind if you have no physicality, you have no willpower, no ability to mentally resist anything? Well, then what are you going to end up doing? You're going to end up eating the bugs and watching the porn and sitting in front of your computer. And that's what they want from, from the people. So I think that it's actually all very interconnected. People come at me with the porn problem and I get the same thing. Guys say to me all the time, hey, what are you going to do? What should I do? I struggle with pornography. And I say, that's because you have nothing else in your life in order. If you were in good physical condition, and you had the money you were supposed to have, and you had the mentality you were supposed to have, you wouldn't need it. So the reason you're so addicted to porn is because everything else in your life is a failure. And yeah, it's certainly a complicated issue, it's a difficult one, and this is why they fear male agency so much, because when men truly wake up and decide to be the best versions of themselves, they're hard to control, because all these control mechanisms fall by the wayside. They don't want the porn anymore, they don't want the antidepressants anymore, they don't want the garbage anymore, and now you have a whole bunch of men who actually want truth and honor and respect, and they want to live for something, and then what are they going to live for? They're going to want to be brave, they're going to want to do the right thing, regardless of how dangerous it may be for their own personal circumstance, and that sounds like a difficult population to enslave. That's, that's what's scary. It's amazing how people throw stones and how imperfect everybody is, truly. And I think the best thing you can do as a man is obviously learn your lessons from your life and try your best to pass them on. I feel like I'm doing that to the best of my ability. But also, another thing that conservatives is going to blow their minds is going to really upset them. What they don't understand about especially the strength of my message is that to especially the young boys of the world, I'm cool. I'm cool. And, and I know they think that doesn't matter, but if you want to sit behind a desk and go, da, 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 Republican, Bill 304, nobody can, you're a dork, so no one gives a right? You're a nerd. I've got the big cars and pretty women, and I, I live the lifestyle. If you want to really capture the youth of today, you need to get some kind of affinity with them. They need to at least want to be you to a degree. You need to at least be their hero to a degree. This is where liberalism wins. I don't think a lot of conservatives understand that liberalism's sexy. You do drugs, you run around, you burn stuff. It's cool, you get a party. Because what do conservatives do? Stay home, stay home, stay home. It's boring, right? At least what they don't understand is that conservatives will sit there and go, he's a terrible role model because he has all these pretty girls in this fast car and he's a materialistic. That's the, only, that's the reason I can actually help the world. That's the reason young boys will listen to me. You said it yourself, 14, 15 year old boys, they'll look at my life and go, okay, I want to listen to this guy. They don't want to listen to me if I sit behind a desk and read Republican Bill 308. I don't read that crap. I don't know. And they don't care. To be a hero, you have to be attacked and you have to be an imperfect person. And, and that's the reality of the world. And culture is super important. And you're right in regards to conservatives giving up. I, I'm trying to think of conservative culture now. I mean, I like to think that we're making degeneracy unpopular. I like to think that there are some good voices out there that is making God cool again. I actually like to believe the pendulum is swinging. I do believe it and I see it online and it's a combination of so many small things coming together almost in perfect timing. But it is cultural. You need a cultural shift that moves away from this insanity. And you're right, if you just want to sit, sit there and just preach, nobody's going to be interested in it. And I also think that especially in the masculine realm, I can't talk for being a woman, but I can talk for being a man. In the masculine realm, we certainly like to see people lead by absolute and utter example. Because 
Traditionally, we would be following our commander or the man we respected into war. So we'd like to know he can at least fight. You'd like to see he's at least brave. You'd like to see him lead by example. And I think especially if conservatives want to win the culture war, then they need to lead by example. If you're going to be a conservative preacher and you want to tell men about how they should live their lives, you should be as strong as possible. You should look in shape. You should be big. You should show you're motivated, you're disciplined. You should, you should absolutely, of course, you, we all have vices, but you should be very disciplined with your outlook. You should make it very clear to the outside world that what you've done wrong, what you haven't done wrong, you should take accountability. I think you need to lead by example. I don't think you can preach to men. I don't think you can preach to young boys. I think that's the reason why they don't do so well in school in general. I don't think that's the reason why they're disenfranchised. I think you need to just lead by example and let them follow. And I feel like I'm kind of doing that by just live, by just standing up and saying, no, this is who I am and I'm unapologetic for it. And this is what I've done. And this is what I intend on doing. And I try and I'm going to try and save the world. I, I do believe I had the best father on the planet. A lot of the things I regurgitate are regurgitated from him. A lot of the things I say, he literally said to me line for line. I believe that he was very morbid in his approach to life. And he wanted me to understand that he will not be here forever. And he wanted me to understand that when he was gone, I had a duty to fulfill. It was certainly tough on me. And I, I, can't, I can't express enough how grateful I am. I, we live in a world now where I'm going to say that my dad hit me when I made a mistake and everyone's going to lose their minds. And they're going to pretend I was somehow abused and that somehow my childhood was terrible. And I could not thank, if he was come down to earth today, I would shake his hand and say thank you for absolutely everything you gave me, including discipline, including understand that, understanding that in the harsh realities of the real world, there is a line. And if you cross that line, violence appears. That's the unfortunate reality of earth. There's a line. And if you cross it, violence will appear, either from a cop or from a guy on the street or from someone you don't like or even a friend will turn on you, whatever. There's a line that shouldn't be crossed. And I learned that from a very young age and I'm very thankful for that. I'm not sitting here saying kids should be abused. There's a difference between abuse and discipline, of course. Everyone with a brain understands that. But he was extremely tough on me. And if I could change anything about my childhood, I'd only wish he was tougher. Because life's tough. Life's hard. And I think that the best thing you can possibly do as a man is prepare for the endless difficulty that's going to come your way. There's no, there's no way out as a man. You're either going to have a very difficult life to become somebody important, or you're going to suffer the difficulty of being invisible. What do you want to do? You want to be invisible and just hide and, and work in Starbucks and never have a girlfriend who truly loves you and nobody care if you live or die? Or do you want to go out there and be top G and be the most famous man in the world and have government agencies trying to lock you up for no reason, putting you in a dungeon? You have to make a choice. It's going to be difficult either way. So I think if you have a son and you're not preparing him for absolute difficulty, you're doing him a disservice. I think that's what has to happen as a man. And it's, I've said this many times before, but I'm gonna say it again. I don't think many people understand exactly how competitive the masculine world is. Men are constantly in competition with each other. We always have been. We used to go to war and fight and kill each other. I guess in some places we still do. Maybe that's calmed down a little bit, but in the masculine world of today, Everybody is constantly competing for everything. The car that you want, other people want. The woman you want, other people want. The house you want, other people want. You're competing to have all of it. And how do you do that? You do that through status and money and influence and power. It's war. I don't think many re women realize that when two men even meet each other for the first time, it's like an unspoken, maybe tiny bit at the back of the mind, there's a tiny analysis of, could I fight this man? Yes. That's real. It's super real. You go up and say, hello, hello. Mm, he's more than a one-punch issue. That's it. <laughs> oh, he's one punch. He's one punch. Mm, he's three or four. That's the reality of the masculine world because we've evolved 
believe in evolution, but I, my, my views are mixed. But we've evolved to be in this position where we're constantly analyzing possible threats and we're constantly analyzing people who perhaps are on our team or snakes, etc. And I think that not many people understand exactly how brutally competitive the masculine world is. And I think the worst thing you can do for a son is just to raise him in a bubble. I, my dad, I'll say here, people lose their minds. My dad used to just randomly push me over. I'd be like three. He just said, not hard. Just get up, boy. Okay. <laughs> my mom would be like, why are you doing that, son? He's like, you get pushed over, that's life. My mom hated that. She did that. But, uh, yeah, I, I can give him nothing but praise. I, I'm really so thankful I had the, the upbringing. You think he's proud of you? I'm certain he's proud of me. And it's amazing how much strength I can get from him. It's amazing how much strength you can get from knowing that your ancestors are looking down on you and you're doing your absolute best. I also believe that God can be proud of you when you do your absolute best. And I don't think many people genuinely do their best in the world anymore. When I say do your best, people sit and go, oh yeah, okay. No, when's the last time you actually did your best? Like, I don't train to run marathons, but I know if I gave my best, I could run a marathon right now, first try. If I gave my best, life depending on it. When's the last time people have genuinely given their best to anything? There are people going through the world and going through life today that don't give their best or 100% effort to anything ever. Ever. They can't remember the last time they tried. So when I'm sitting in a dungeon, I'm sitting in a Romanian jail cell, I understand that it is a chance that God has given me and my ancestors are watching for me to do my absolute best and to show to them that I am the man I say I am. You can't become the most famous man in the world for mental resilience and God not test your mental resilience. I think that would be a very amateur way to view the world, that you can now become one of the most famous men in the world who talks about mental discipline and mental resilience and God's not going to test it. I think God's going to come along and say, okay, you want to be Mr. Famous. All right, let's see what you have. So I believed it was a, a, a chance to show God and show my ancestors and show my father that I am the man I say I am. And it's amazing how much strength you can draw from that because I don't think many men especially understand that even if you don't have the strength to be a hero for yourself, you should have enough discipline and enough honor to want to be a hero for somebody else. And if you have other people you truly respect, you should want to be a hero for them. And I think that's the masculine imperative. If, if someone's going to attack your wife, that's when you become a hero for her. You have to. What kind of man are you if you're not? And you can apply that to other things. If you apply that to your ancestors, or you apply that to God, or you apply that to your beliefs or your core principles as a man, then you can be a hero anytime you want. I think that's actually one of the reasons why. I mean, I don't state this with arrogance. I don't want people to understand. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm trying to make people understand the situation I'm in. I was the most Googled man on the planet at one point. So I had a massive impact on the culture and it was dragging in the complete opposite direction that the culture wants to move in. I'm dragging men in the complete opposite direction that the Satanists and the people who want to turn us all into slaves want us to go in. So I think that anybody who sits at home and realizes that my legal troubles appearing basically directly after that is a coincidence, then you're awfully naive. So it's, it's unfortunate also that the way the world works, that certain level of influence and power, the justice system almost breaks down. We see that even in America and most other countries, it all just becomes a big game and a big show and it's about power plays and a whole bunch of conversations behind the scenes. It's not about justice anymore. I believe that God should be feared. I fear God. It's one of the only things I fear. And I believe that also you see God to a degree or you see religion how you see yourself. And I see myself as a person of strong principles and strong morals. And I like to think of myself as the kind of person nobody really wants to cross. Not because I'm a psycho, but because I'm a man of capability and I'm smart and I'm strong and nobody wants to make an enemy of me. I said this to somebody the other day. They were talking about how they feel and I said, who cares how you feel? And he goes, well, what do you mean? 
Well, I don't care. You're telling me I know you and I don't care. So all the people who don't know you don't care. The woman you want doesn't care. You can't go up to a chick at a bar and say, you know what, usually I'm really trying. Damn it. Can you give me a pass? Can you let me off? No way, weirdo. The, people, the chick you want doesn't care. The job you're supposed to perform at doesn't care. If the man who wants to mug you decides to pull a machete, he doesn't care. You can't say, bro, I'm on the move for a fight today. Tomorrow, please. Nobody cares. So why do you care? All the people out here in the world don't care, but you're going to sit there and you're going to care. You're the only person in the world who cares. You're going to walk around telling everybody, trying to find somebody who gives a Good luck. Because what's going to happen is you're going to walk around feeling sorry for yourself, trying to find somebody who cares. You might find somebody who pretends to care long enough to get a little bit of dopamine. But all in all, you're wasting time in a hyper-competitive world where people like me who perform regardless of how they feel are just going to perpetually bury you. And then you're going to sit there and wake up and go, why am I a loser? Well, because when Andrew was sad, he continued to perform. When Andrew was in jail, his business didn't fall apart. He was doing push-ups every day. His body didn't fall apart. Nothing about his life degraded when he was in a jail cell surrounded by cockroaches. You're in a plushy bed at home, crying about what? And you expect to... The male world's hyper-competitive. So you're not allowed, almost as a man, to put that much importance on how you feel. You don't have time to care about it because you have too much to do. This is what I find so remarkable. If I feel sad, I don't think, how do I stop myself? I need to not feel sad. I just go to work. i got stuff to do. I'm a man. I have things to do every single day. This whole therapy garbage. I can't think of a way faster to ruin your mindset and destroy your ability to resist the perils of life than going to therapy. And I, I really do believe, I think there is this mass drive to instill the idea of absolute selfishness in people. I think they're trying to, when I really analyze it, the ideal citizen they want. The ideal citizen is yes, docile, yes, he's unique, but he's also ultimately selfish. Because then you don't care about community. And I think therapy is a fantastic way to make you selfish. Because that's all you talk about is what you talk about garbage. The best upbringing you can have is good parents and no money. Because you look at Prince Harry with the, you can't, talk about anything better for a perfect upbringing royal family come on uh, it's not his fault right your royal family fine but he was supposed to have gone to the army he went to afghanistan and supposedly he fought but obviously he didn't he's the prince played Xbox of course he played yeah, the yeah. sat in the back but if you don't give a man struggle look what he becomes tell me the kind of man if i were to say to you imagine a man who's never struggled in his life physically mentally everything's gone perfect for him he's born in the royal family everything's been perfect for him his whole life is that the kind of man anybody respects? Is that the kind of man anyone wants to be? And struggle is subjective, right? So Prince Harry dealing with his dealing with his current problems and his wife nagging, to him that's full mental breakdown, right? My problems are obviously much larger, but struggle is subjective. To him, to us, they're almost on the same level, but if you were to compare them side by side, they're absolutely nothing. So as a man, you have to build resilience. You build resilience through going through something and building a tolerance to it. And this guy's had such a privileged life that he's ended up a miserable, depressed, unhappy person. So this is what's actually very interesting. When men come to me or young boys come to me and talk about something bad that happened to him, I say, good. Absolutely, not really good. You should be glad that thing happened to you because that's the reason you're gonna be the man who can resist the perils of life in the future. If bad things don't happen to you, you're gonna end up like Prince Harry. You don't wanna end up like that dude, do you? You're, yeah, exactly. So you're gonna, your life's gonna be so easy, you're gonna get to the end result and your wife's just gonna wreck you. So you need to have all these bad things happen to you so you build the mental resilience. And that's another thing about masculinity and, and males as a whole. We're trying to take that all away from them in almost every regard. And it's kind of like, it used to be like rites of passage where a boy would become a man. That's all gone. 
There used to be this masculine, very healthy peer pressure to be big and strong, and that's all gone. There used to be, I mean, I don't want to use the wrong words, I don't want to get attacked for it, but men used to not pick on each other, not bully each other, but hey, you can't do push-ups, you're weak. We push each other in that way, shame each other to excellence almost. We still do it to this day in this house. Tristan's bigger than me, he's 10 kilo bigger than me, 6 foot 4, I'm 6 foot 3, I'm smaller. He'll bench 160, 170 kilo, I know I bench 150. He'll call me a bitch for three hours. Like, that's just how we are, so I have to get up and try again. That's how men are. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, life is always gonna be difficult. It doesn't matter how much you try and shelter your children, how rich you are, what family they're born into. Life is gonna be difficult, and if there is no struggle in their life, they're gonna find struggle, or something that shouldn't be a struggle will become a struggle for them because their life has been so sheltered, and life is hard. So, if you can't avoid the difficulty, you may as well get very good at it. You may as well get good at difficulty. And it's amazing when you look at someone like Prince Harry, he's just a man who has not become very good at difficulty and he's just completely collapsed in the face of a woman who's complaining at him. And yeah, the, even worse than all that, the dishonor of, of selling out, we are talking about how I feel to use my bloodline and my last name and I have to do my father proud. He's from the British royal family. Like, and he had no honor. He couldn't even sit and say to him, listen. I couldn't even shut up for that. Yeah, literally. He had to sell out in a book. Like, God does not smile favorably. I think that's why he's going to be unhappy for a very long time, and he's going to realize that it was never worth it. And what did he do with his money? From the royal family, man. You really need money that bad? Like, it's it's truly shameful, and I think deceit and treachery are the most heinous and most disliked personal qualities of something you can actually witness somebody do. I think everybody hates them, and it's because anybody can fall, anybody can fall victim to deceit or treachery you trust that person. Everybody trusts someone, right? So if that person turns on you, you're always in trouble. So I think he, he thinks that he has the populace on his side, but I don't think he understands that when you out yourself as a snake, everybody intrinsically dislikes you. I, I don't know why people don't even just wake up and go, okay, whose life do I want to live? What kind of person do I want to be? Who do I want to be like? That's the kind of thinking I need to adopt and install in my mind, because we're all being programmed by someone to a degree. I think that masculine realm that we operate in is based on respect. I think that men are constantly looking for a way to be respected. I think the world is hyper-competitive and we're constantly always looking for status amongst our peers. This is why you will see a man give up his basically entire life to do something which will only gain him respect, even in a very small sphere. There are CEOs who go to work every day and don't even see their family and give up their entire life and work 12-hour days just to feel like the man in that office, feeling important. In that one office, in that one skyscraper, is worth him giving up his life because he feels like he matters. And if he gets more respect in that office than he does at home or anywhere else, that's where he's going to want to be. Men function on that. So if I had to build the ideal woman who could get any man on earth, what she would have to do is understand that I need to give my man as much status and as much respect as possible. I, by extension of him, being next to him, need to make him look respected. And a lot of this is the easy things we know. No one's going to respect a man who's with an ultra-promiscuous woman. No one's going to respect a man who's with a woman who's back-talking him or horrible to him in public. No one's going to respect a man who's with a woman who clearly isn't interested in him sexually, whatever. That's all the obvious part. But the hidden actual message behind all of it is that men are constantly looking for status and respect and a woman who makes her man feel respected, not only from her, but from his peers, is the kind of woman a man's never gonna wanna lose. The dominant power, especially in the Western world, I believe we live in a matriarchy. 
I don't believe it's a patriarchy like we're told it is. I actually believe it's the other way around. I can't think of a single law that benefits men over women, but I can certainly think of some that benefit women over men. Mm -hmm. I think it's very dangerous to be a man in the world today. I think that if women want to destroy a man, it's extremely easy to do. We can look at my current scenario and situation I'm in, and many other men are in the same scenario. I can't think of many examples of a man falsely accusing a woman of something and her losing her entire life. Well, I can certainly think of ones the other way around. So, yeah, they want to turn men into eunuchs because their intention is to make us all slaves. And I say that and people, it rolls off my tongue and people just hear it. They don't actually think about what I'm saying. Their intention is to turn men into eunuchs because they want to make us all slaves. I want you to actually understand exactly what I'm saying to you because at the bottom line of revolution has always been young military age males and they don't want them to have enough balls or enough forward thinking or even enough care for anything outside of themselves to do something about it. Another thing people don't understand is that a lot of these attacks and a lot of things they're trying to do with the culture especially, they're trying to inject such innate selfishness inside of people that they don't really care about anything that happens outside of themselves. Because then it's very difficult to give a about your community, it's very difficult to have any kind of genuine care about your town or your country or an issue. No, they just want you to be self-absorbed, semi-depressed, because depressed people don't fight that hard, watching porn, living inside of your own mind, convinced that somehow you're oppressed for some reason on the internet typing tweets. That's what they want you to do. And they're going to try and keep you there. And genuine masculinity, yeah, to a degree it's protective, and to a degree also it has parameters. You, you can't be a man who doesn't say no. You can't be a man who doesn't have standards for himself and for people around him. I got labeled as ultra-misogynistic because I believe that a man should have standards in his relationship. I believe a man should avoid dishonest people, male and female. You should avoid, if you're a dishonest person, if you lie, if you're going to deceive me, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I was sitting and talking on a panel show saying that women who are dishonest and promiscuous are not the kind of woman I'd ever want to associate with, and I was labeled misogynistic for that. So it's, it's crazy how they'll attack you, and they'll attack you so violently and so endlessly and repeat it so many times in a, in a, in a bid to beat your soul down. That's what they want, especially for me. I truly believe I'm the number one prize for them to get. If they can get me to just give up. If we can get Andrew Tate to just give up. Being a man's bad. Come on, Andrew, say it. And it's, it's like, it's, 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 it's dangerous one thing, but it's actually genuinely also sad. When I analyze the situation in the world we're in today, I partly feel sad that we've ended up in this place where the people who are in charge are so evil and their plans are so dark, so heinous and the consequences so dire that they know they can only implement them if they genuinely remove the warrior spirit from every man on the planet. Yeah. It's kind of sad. And the warrior spirit is really important. Another thing about masculinity as a whole that I don't think that a lot of people want to address, but it's something that's certainly large in terms of my following. Because if we break down, if anyone's watching this now and they're trying to understand, why is Andrew Tate so popular? Well, I believe I have, I speak to the base instincts of... of base instincts. Base instincts. And one of the base instincts also for men, I don't think a lot of people understand, is to a degree is, is peacocking and showing off to a degree. And I do that fantastically. But um, it is. And if you look at men of old and they used to conquer and they wear a feather from the man they killed or they, a piece of gold they stole. There was always that degree of flexing, showing off. And I think it's being unapologetically masculine and saying, yeah, I'm a big successful man and I can afford all this stuff and this is who I am and I've worked my ass off and this is what I have and I'm not sorry about it and I've, I'm, I'm dedicated and I'm hardworking and, and no, I'm not. I don't feel like I should have to cower or hide or apologize to the world for any of these things. And I think that's the reason why a lot of men find affinity in my message and you're right. Baseline masculinity is being attacked and women 
women naturally don't find it attractive to find a man who's not that way anyway. But baseline masculinity is being attacked because they want you absolutely not dependent on the government so that the government can decide whether you eat that day. And I don't want to be a pessimist, but I still think in many ways, almost with technological advances, it's going to be very difficult to resist. I think it's actually scary. I don't know how the world's going to be in a hundred years from now, but I don't know if there's going to be much freedom left. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, when I look at the things they're doing with CBDCs and electric cars and the way the currency is going to change, it's going to be very difficult to resist without literally starving to death. So I don't know what's going to come. And also I do believe, and this is going to get me called misogynistic, but I'm going to say it anyway, I do believe we need masculinity, especially in the households, because I believe that women are more emotionally led and men are more logically led. It's true. And I think that the propaganda machine and the news machine primarily uses emotional arguments as opposed to logical arguments. And women fall for the emotional And women fall for the emotional arguments. So if you have a woman who's in charge of the household and her man can't resist her uh, commands and they put on the news, be afraid, be afraid, COVID's going to kill everybody. She gets afraid, and now you have a whole household of people with masks on, eight vaccines, and down the insanity hole. Whereas a man with logic would sit there and do exactly what I did and say, look, all right, let's calm down for two minutes. Let's just, let's just wait, because the news lies. So let's just wait till Wednesday before we start taking injections. It's chill. So I think also masculinity is needed because what they're going to do when they try and make us all slaves, they're going to use emotional arguments. And they're going to come along with... I was talking about COVID the other day and we were saying how insane it all was. And I said, imagine how insane something like COVID will be once the police force are robotic. Imagine once it's all AI. Absolutely insane. But yeah, even the COVID thing, if you look at it, the emotional argument that was used and how they control the world, and they're going to use emotional arguments to control us with everything. I talk about the police force being AI. What they're going to eventually do is say, cops shoot people, humans make mistakes, cops are racist. We're going to give you robot cops that never make mistakes because cops are racist and cops can make mistakes, but these robots never make mistakes ever. And then once all the police force are completely robotic and they've removed all our weapons, you think something like COVID 2.0 isn't coming? You think you're not going to be locked in your house? You think you're just going to what? Like you live in peace and walk around outside? Are you an idiot? And they're going to do all of this with a Emotional arguments. Not That's why they want a matriarchy. Absolutely, because you, with a matriarchy, you can affect it with emotionality. You can sit there and say, the planet is dying. Don't you care about the trees? Give us all your money. And the, people will sit there and go, oh, yeah, I do feel bad about the planet. Okay, it's just an extra 18% tax. And they can fall for it. So emotional arguments are how you get your way with anything. If you give me somebody, if you put somebody in front of me, I can convince with an emotional argument. I can convince them almost anything. Almost anything. Logic is much harder to do. So we, we need masculinity even in the household. I'm, not, I'm just talking about baseline masculinity of just the logic and the rocks, the rock-solid self-assurance to sit there and say, no, I'm in charge of this house. Let's all just calm down. Let's not get emotionally led by this news channel. And let's be very smart about what we do and how we react to things. And that's why it's under attack. And I think... I talk about revolutions and I talk about men being the military age males who are going to eventually stand up, etc. But I'm not be doomsday is about anything. I don't want to get arrested for any accusations. But even just having a masculine essence in a household makes the whole household harder to psyop. I truly believe that. I've, I've had it from a lot of people. I've said it from, I've had some of the hate mail I've got and I, I get a lot of, I probably get about 10,000 emails a day. I'd say about 9,000 of them are support and 1,000 of them are fervent weirdos. And the weirdos are like, you're a psychopath because all this is happening to you. You don't even care. It's like They're threatened by the fact that I'm stoic. They're threatened by the fact that I won't cry and lose my mind over it. They're like, oh, he has emotional control. He's a threat because they can't lie to me. They can't sigh off me. 
And they want you to be emotionally incontinent. And this is another thing they're teaching men. They're teaching men to act out your feelings. Well, why are they doing that? Because that makes you an emotional person and you're easier to control. They don't care that that damages society by extension. Because when you tell men to act out their feelings, that's why you get school shooters. That's why you get rapists. That's why you get murderers. Why does somebody murder someone? Because he's mad. <laughs> he's acting out his feelings. He's not a very stoic person if he goes, I hate you. Bang. Right, so they're teaching all this emotional incontinence in men trying to pretend they care about society. It's destroying society in real time. They have no interest in actually preserving anything that's important about masculinity. And the only reason they're doing it is because that allows them to use emotional arguments. Now they can sit and say, okay, these men act out how they feel. So let's make them angry and they might riot. And let's make them riot on this street. Let's leave some bricks on this street. Um, you understand what I'm saying? It's all absolutely and utterly done on purpose. And it's kind of amazing to me that nobody sits there and understands the best way you can rebel against the slave mind and resist the matrix is just to be the kind of person who uses logic, is stoic, is emotionally controlled, is physically strong, because a strong body is a strong mind, who refuses to be told or labeled as something. You can't label me as a depressed person. You can't label me as some kind of disease or some kind of personality disorder. You can't label me a color. I'm Andrew Tate. This is who I am. I, I work hard for my last name. I understand what's right and wrong. I'm going to do my absolute best. If you convince somebody that they have to spend hours and hours per week sitting in a chair talking about that feeling they had last Thursday in the kitchen. It's <laughs> crazy. It's insane. Crazy. You, you want to talk about creating mental illness. There it is. This exasperates problems. This makes it worse. And it also builds this culture of absolute and utter selfishness. Excuse me, they're trying to put you in jail for the rest of your life effectively because they're going to enslave you and they're going to control all the money and they're going to make you get injections you don't need. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I'm sad. I've got therapy. I'll talk about it later. That's all they want. They just want you to be so obsessed with how you feel in your own mind that you can't even look outside of yourself and care about anything. It's part of the propaganda machine. It's part of the mechanism to turn us all into docile farm animals. Top G is the name for any of the adults who are watching it. Top G is what they call me my nickname. But part of it is the fact that I grew up in a bad area. You know, I, I can fight. I have this money. I'm in this big compound in Romania with armed guards. And there's that, that degree of it. There's that nastiness and there's that rough to the edge, which makes my message so interesting for the young boys to watch. But that's because I came from a very rough life. I don't think many people understand, especially the men who are vilifying me and attacking me upset by me. I understand that. First they come for me and then they're going to come for you. They come for any man that they don't like and the way they do it is this is the weapon. They sit and go, okay, let's take some kind of sexual crime because it's heinous and it damages their name. And then because it's subjective, right? You say rape, you're right. Rape traditionally was grab a woman off the street and hurt. Well, he didn't do that, but he did have a consensual relationship for years and then now his girlfriend can be convinced to turn on him for a paycheck because the, the media will hype her up, make her famous, and pay her a wage. Now he's a rapist. Or, even by cra more crazy extension, let's look at the Loverboy method. We have a man here who has spoken to a woman in a very nice, polite, kind way, has never even had a BDSM relationship with her, hasn't hurt her, hasn't hit her, only spoke to her nicely. She is saying he is nice. She is saying he did nothing. Okay, she's brainwashed and he used Loverboy. You can't even be nice. You can't even be, if the government want to put you in jail for sexual crime, you can be a man with a woman, speak to her with absolute respect. She can love you with all her heart and say, he has never hurt me. And you are still a girl. Right, right. Think, think, of the, think of the mind bending. It's crazy. As a man, you're not safe. You're not safe. If they want to get you, they're going to get you. And they're going to use this avenue because it's the most heinous possible crime you can be accused of. The process itself is the punishment. 
Let's look at what happened to me. All those months of investigation. During all those months of investigation, there are pages and pages of files. Everything I did, everywhere I went, they were looking for me to break a law. I don't break laws. If I had even sped in a car, if I had littered, if I had done anything, it would all be in the case file. So they're, they're spying on my entire life trying to find a crime. They can't find one. Then they go through my entire personal life, which is now all over the internet, leaked all over the internet, so you go through the embarrassment. Then they seize all your money, $15 million taken of my money. Then I went to jail for three months. Now I'm on house arrest. By the time I'm found innocent, I've been punished. The whole, the process is the punishment. The process is the embarrassment. The process is teaching you a lesson. So it's not even about innocent and guilty. I don't think most people at home understand that if they want to hurt you, if you get to a level of influence where powerful people go, you, we have to damage this guy's name. We're going to accuse him of sexual crime. It doesn't matter if you can prove yourself innocent three years from the point they accuse you because you've already been wrecked. That's the entire goal of it, right? It's interesting to me that conservatives will sit and say, oh, materialism is bad or it's anti-Christian, etc." And I understand where there might be a point to argue there. But I tell you something, if you're completely and utterly broke, then you need the government to eat, then you're in a lot of trouble. We talk about the matrix and resisting the matrix. One of the tools to doing that is financial freedom. And this is one of the baseline realities of it. I'm not saying you should sell your soul for money. Absolutely not. Really not. But if you want to truly resist the matrix as a whole, you need to have money to do it. It's pretty hard to do with broke. Even me as a person, if I had no money, the current situation I'm in would absolutely utterly destroy me. I, I would be completely and utterly wrecked. Like, how could I pay my bills? I've taken $15 million of my money. I'm locked in my house. So you need to have a degree of financial freedom. Otherwise, you're going to end up just doing what you have to do to eat. So if you're completely and utterly reliant on a wage or you have no money, well, now you have a new tool of enslavement. COVID was all based around that. Ah, oh, I just got to go to work. Ah, oh, I just get the injection. Ah, oh, I got to wear the mask. I got to fly. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. It, it takes a lot of money to sit down and say, no, I'm too principled. That takes money to do. So it's also interesting that conservatives want to attack materialism. Okay, perhaps I didn't have to buy a fancy car. You get upset about that if you like. But if you're not financially free, it's also pretty difficult to stand up and tell the truth. Yeah, absolutely. It's aspirational. But also, if we're going to actually look at the meta point, I believe that teaching financial freedom, I think teaching financial freedom is one of the very important ways you teach people to resist a slave mind. I don't think you can resist a slave mind if you're completely not broke on welfare or living paycheck to paycheck for a large corp, which is insistent on trying to install the slave program inside of your head. I think it's very, very difficult. I actually think financial freedom is a key component to it. And I think that me standing up and showing a life that costs $50 million a year or something ridiculous, doing that on purpose and trying to inspire men to make as much money as possible is actually a very key component to the resistance of the slave mind. I don't think many people understand this because if you teach young men how to go out there and become rich as possible, it's very difficult they can do that without learning some degree of mental fortitude, without learning how to speak to people, without learning how to network, without learning how to be competent and disciplined and motivated and work hard. And then they do all that, they have enough money so that when someone comes along and says, take this injection, they'll say, no, I don't want to take the injection, I'd rather miss a flight. So there is a key component of resistance without, which actually involves materialism. I'll argue that if I was exactly the same person with the same viewpoints, but I was completely and utterly flat broke, I wouldn't be able to make the same impact on the world. And I wouldn't be able to resist the programming the same because I need to eat food. So I'd actually counter argue any conservative who's complaining about my beautiful car collection of 42, not one, 42 nice cars, that having a lot of money is actually an important way to resist the matrix. I can only talk from personal experience, but the number of times, especially during COVID, for example, where I managed to not have to comply with any of the laws simply because I was loaded, it was, I can't even name one, I, 10, 
10 hands. So materialism is important. I think we should be teaching, especially the young boys, especially people who understand and want to live in a very rational world, want to live in a world which is based on common sense and dignity and honor and respect and all the things we're trying to teach through conservatism is that if they don't have a degree of financial stability or financial independence, they're going to end up getting wrecked anyway. They're going to work for woke corp. And Woke Corp's going to change its Twitter picture or X picture, whatever it's called now, to a pride flag. And they're going to be screwed anyway. So you have to be teaching to a degree financial independence. I don't know why that's seen as a bad thing. I'd actually really like to argue that point with who was complaining about my car. The Matrix, I believe, and I use the term The Matrix from the movie because I think it perfectly describes the world we're in today. I believe we're living in a false reality which is projected inside of our minds and is designed to distract us long enough for our bodies to be abused. And the movie is from Body Heat. In the real world, perhaps, is for some physical labor. But I believe that we're not living in a real version of reality. I believe there are gatekeepers on the truth, the agents, who try their very best to keep us asleep. And I think the end goal is to keep us distracted long enough for our body to be utilized and then for us to die. Well, who is the Matrix and what is the Matrix as a whole? I have to be very careful what I say and I don't want to get in too much trouble. But I think anybody who is perspicacious enough to understand how the world works understands that the media machine is trying very hard to keep us to keep us convinced of certain ideas and also to keep us arguing about very unimportant ideas so people behind the media machine who decide what goes on the news can do whatever they want to do. And those the things they do usually have dire consequences to all of our lives. So I would say that the Matrix as a whole is the media machine from the projection point of view. And that the people who control the media try very hard to make sure they have ultimate control over all governments and all important decisions on the planet. And that's why God is so important, because God is a hard line that you cannot be crossed, right? That's why you will not be libertarian. That's why I will not be libertarian. You will not be libertarian. <laughs> no, but if you have, if you, if, yeah, it's true, because if you have faith, then there's rights and wrongs. Like you said earlier, there's sin and there's good, and there's a line that can't be crossed, and the psyop is very difficult to penetrate, and that's why... In the Islamic world, for example, we have very little of these problems because it's haram. Problem solved. Haram. <laughs> Next. But um, yeah, it's 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 certainly scary, and I don't think people understand how evil absolute power will make a person. I don't think people understand how petty and how vindictive and how degenerate absolute power will make people. I think there's a degree of naivety in the population when you talk about the Matrix and the people who are behind the media and they believe these people might be powerful people or rich people, but not necessarily bad people. But unfortunately, I don't think they really truly understand the reality. I had a theory that I was arguing with somebody with, and I keep using COVID because it's a perfect example of the psyop. Everybody who once believed in COVID now no longer believes, mostly all of them, which I find actually remarkable. Because when I talk about COVID now, in front of 20 people, everyone's like, yeah, man, that was garbage. But during COVID, I couldn't find a single person who wouldn't wear the mask. I was like, oh, I'm by myself. I got arrested in Germany. We just got arrested, surrounded by mask wearers, handcuffs. I'm like, what the? And I guarantee you, I'll stand in front of those people now, they'll be like, yeah, COVID was stupid. So it's, it's amazing how people want to flip and forget reality. So I use COVID because people were fully psyoped, and now they're not psyoped, and I'm trying to wake you people up to understand something about how garbage it all is. I'm trying my very best to make people understand that the people who make the news have no interest in being informed. Why would they make the news and broadcast it to you everywhere for you, little Mr. Nobody, to understand how the world works? Why would they care about you knowing anything that's important ever? Inspiring people to free think and to not believe all the slave programming which is told to them and to not just 
follow lockstep with the lies that are given to them, I think in and of itself makes you a conservative and to a degree makes you political. Unfortunately, now that's how the divide exists. If you're teaching people to think for themselves and be strong people of agency and self-respect, then you're going to be on one side of the political spectrum. And if you're teaching people to be the absolute opposite, you're going to be on the other side. And by extension, I guess I am political and I am conservative just because I'm telling men to stand up and to be strong and to think for themselves. And that makes you resist to slave programming. And I like to believe that the conservatives themselves have resisted slave programming the most. Um, but yeah, it's it's a scary world we're now living in where things that I'm saying, which were basically completely accepted by the entire population 15 years ago, are enough to make me the most hated man in the world. But isn't that crazy? I think the things I'm saying are things that were widely accepted for a very long period of human time. I think they're the things that are still widely accepted in most of the world today. I think it's the decadence of the West that allow us to pretend these ideas and these realities don't exist. And I don't know how long we're going to last under this false reality. I don't know how long society can possibly function with the insanity that they're trying to purport on the population of the West. The fact that so many calories in the Western world, genuine calories from food and human time is wasted discussing pronouns and trying to get somebody's pronouns correct in a sentence that they've made up, which change at random. Think of the absolute insanity of that. And how long can a society actually function with that degree of decadence and absolute asinine behavior? I don't know how long it can even function anymore. I think the West is in a lot of trouble and it's almost like, especially certain talking points, and I find myself guilty of it as well. We talk about certain talking points which are pushed to the front and I kind of feel like they are a mass distraction. They have to be because they're so ridiculous. But the problem is people, there's a certain percentage of the population that genuinely believe them. I would love to live in a world where they try and push the idea that a man is a woman or that a man can change to a woman and then compete in women's sports without an advantage. I would love for them to try and push that idea and for everybody to go, this is stupid, next, no. But because some people believe, we have to now waste our time discussing and debunking the most obvious, hello, water is wet. We have to sit here and talk about the sky being blue for days and weeks and years almost at a time. Talk about the ultimate distraction tool by the Matrix for them to sit there and go, you know what, let's come up with some absolute garbage and let's throw it to the front and the smart people will fight against it but enough dummies will disagree with it and that will keep them distracted while we do something that matters. And we find my, I even find myself falling victim to it because it's so necessary because a certain subsect of the population is so dumb that they believe it. If people were all just a little bit less receptive to the slave programming, everyone would stand up and say, no, you gotta try harder than that next. And we could discuss something that actually matters. And this is the point I was gonna say earlier about COVID. So, COVID, I think a lot of people do not understand how petty and vindictive power can genuinely make somebody. And I had an argument with a friend of my brother about two or three years ago during COVID when you had to wear a mask when you went in the restaurant, and then you sat down, you took it off, and then you ate, and you put it back on to go to the toilet, and you took it off. And I said, I hope you understand there is someone somewhere, some billionaire on a yacht who is doing this as a compliance exercise, as a joke as a joke. And he goes, why would you do all that just for a joke? Because if you're in charge of the entire world, you have unlimited money. What's going to make you happy? Ferrari? You've had Ferraris your whole life. Boring. All that you care about is power. Compliance. It's all funny to you. It's vindictive. It's petty. Why not? You're in charge. For the same reason you're in charge of a big company, you're like, you know, I want you all in at 8, 50, 45 tomorrow. Why not? It's power play. Ego, status, respect. All the things we talked about earlier. These people are born into massive influence. Money doesn't make them. 
not feel powerful. They've never worked for anything in their lives. Now they have a little bit of control over you. They're going to make you do some dumb so they can laugh at you. I tell you, it was a joke. And people don't understand that there are people in the world who have power, who are literally vindictive enough to just mess with the entire populace for a joke. And I don't think people understand when you look at the Matrix as a whole and yeah, you talk about the media machine and how it's trying to push these ideas on you and the people behind it. The people behind it do not have any kind of genuine intention. Their intentions are absolutely and utterly selfish. They want to feel good and feel powerful no matter what it takes.